0: Thank you, Jane. Good morning. morning. All right. Uh, Dave, would you join me? Uh, Dave's going to read for us this morning. Um, So you may remember a number of weeks ago, uh, I did a teaching on the parable of the unmerciful servant, uh, which mainly we talked about this idea of forgiveness. And uh, it seemed to... uh, Something seemed to happen with that. There was resonance with that teaching and uh, some folks were interested in us uh, going a little further with that and discussing over the next couple of weeks the theme of forgiveness. And so that's what I want to do with you all uh, this Sunday and next Sunday and then the following Sunday we'll start an Advent series. So uh, the first Sunday of December is the first Sunday of Advent and we'll do uh, four weeks in an Advent series, and of course, Christmas Eve on December 24th here at 5 p.m. So let me say a word of prayer, and we'll jump in. God, thank you for another Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and worship together. Thank you for your presence. Uh, God, we especially today lift up in prayer those from the paradise area, those who have lost loved ones, those who have lost homes. <clears throat> no many are home trying to stay out of the smoke, and yet we still have our homes and our lives. And God, I, I pray for those who have lost everything. somehow in the midst of this. May they know your presence and your comfort. And God, uh, as followers of Jesus, we believe that somehow out of death comes new life. Out of the cross comes resurrection. So we pray for hope and a new future. And God, this morning as we explore the theme of forgiveness, God, I pray for each of us. as we process this in our own hearts. People that have hurt us, that have wronged us, that have done us harm. And I pray that you would help us do the hard work of processing that and beginning to let go and to release the cycle of resentment and getting even and holding a grudge. We give these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, So anytime we talk about forgiveness, it can stir things up in us. Uh, What does that exactly mean? And so I want to remind us of a few things I talked about a few weeks ago that forgiveness is not. So uh, first, forgiveness is not accepting unacceptable behavior. Uh, so it doesn't mean we just, okay, let it go, it, it's fine, uh, and almost ignore it, and act as if it didn't happen. It, it, it does, it's not giving a free pass. It's not just saying, okay, cool, everything's good. Uh, when, when you have been, especially when you've been deeply hurt, deeply wounded by someone, uh, betrayed, um, Part of the process of forgiving is not accepting unacceptable behavior, but naming it. It mattered, it happened, it hurt. Uh, And so, if we are going to forgive well, we have to name the wrong that was done. Uh, I also want to say, if we are waiting for an apology, That apology may never come. And so, if we truly want to forgive, as I believe Jesus invites us to forgive, we have to come to terms with the fact that the person who wronged us or hurt us may never admit that they wronged us or hurt us. That They may never say, I'm sorry. They may never say, will you forgive me? Uh, And so, there is some deep, hard work that needs to happen if we're going to accept the reality that when we have been hurt, when we have been wronged, uh, the person who hurt or wronged us may never admit they hurt or wronged us. May never, may may not even be aware of the depth of which they hurt or wronged us. And then lastly, forgiveness does not necessarily include reconciliation. And while reconciliation, I believe, is the goal, the aim of forgiveness, it, it is a desire, a longing to be reconciled with that person, it may not mean that if you've been deeply wounded or hurt, if you've been sexually abused or physically abused or deeply abused in any capacity, to just enter right back into a relationship is probably not wise. And so there is a place for healthy boundaries and to protect yourself from being hurt over and over and over again. And so uh, these are some things that forgiveness is not. Now, What we talked about a few weeks ago was this parable of the unmerciful servant and how ultimately we came to the conclusion that when we don't forgive, we are holding ourselves in bondage. We are holding ourselves in prison. That ultimately when we can come to the place of forgiveness, we are coming to a place of being able to release that person and then discovering that we are released from the bondage and prison of holding on to that resentment, or holding on to that grudge. And I use this example, next slide. A former POW asked another former POW, have you forgiven your captors yet? He answered, I will never do that. Then they still have you in prison, don't they? And so this reality that when we don't forgive, we're in a sort of prison. But when we can come to a place of forgiving, we are released from that prison of unforgiveness. And it frees us in ways we could never imagine. Now, forgiveness is a process. Uh, If you've been deeply hurt, deeply wrong, deeply wounded, it's not just a snap of the fingers, oh, I forgive them. Uh, And uh, I think we're all in this together. That we recognize that there are times, like for me personally, I know there have been times when I have thought I've come to a place of releasing a person who has deeply hurt me, releasing them to God, and years later, something happens, or that name is mentioned, and something rises in me. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I I thought I let that go. And something just rose in me, and I need to once again release that. To God and entrust that person to God. I I think that's a huge step in the process of forgiveness is what does it look like, that person who hurt you, what does it look like to release that person and hand them over to God that it is not helpful for our own health to hold that person and play judge and jury toward that person. Uh, so I want to use an ancient story to talk about what can happen if we don't forgive. Uh, and th- this story, I mean, you've got to think like uh, Game of Thrones or something like that. We're going to look at Judges chapter 15. And so uh, this is like the rated R book of the Bible. Uh, yes, those exist. Um, and this story just feels so barbaric. and uh, and over the top. But I think there's something about these stories that feel that way, like so over the top, that speak to something within us. Uh, Things that can go on in our own interior if we don't deal with the anger, the bitterness, the resentment that we feel towards someone or people that we feel have wronged us. And so uh, we're going to jump into Judges 15, verse 1.
1: At the time of wheat harvest.
0: Okay, so it's wheat harvest. Uh, yeah. And uh, you've you got to pay attention to wh- what happens at harvest time. It, in the ancient world, th- this is the time, I mean, most, most people in the ancient world are farmers. And so this is the time where you finally get paid for the work you've been doing all season long. So you have been toiling in your fields to produce this wheat harvest. And it's finally getting to the time to harvest your wheat. And this is when you're gonna be. And so this is a very important time in the ancient world is harvest time. So let's just hold that thought as we continue the story.
1: Samson took a young goat I went to visit his wife.
0: Like you do. Uh, So, yeah, men, bring your wife a goat. Yeah, is that, Jonathan does? How's that goat working out, Pam? Yeah, all right. Uh, So, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is an ancient world thing. Maybe this is a Samson thing. Okay, so just so we're clear, this is, you know, Samson and Delilah. Uh, This is the same Samson, huge, long hair. He can uh, do crazy stuff, uh, really strong. Uh, This is not Delilah he goes to visit, however. This is his wife before he married Delilah. He's going to visit his wife. He's an Israelite, she's a Philistine, Uh, and he's bringing her a goat.
1: He said, I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead.
0: Okay, come on, this is crazy, right? Uh, this is already somewhere between the Bachelor and Jerry Springer, or something. I don't know. Uh, but he is going to visit his wife to go into her room. Uh, I think we know what is on his mind. And the dad, her dad, says, "Oh, oh, I thought you hated her, so I gave her to your friend." Is, Am I the only one that thinks this story is crazy? Uh, and he, he said, but hey, younger sister, what do you say? She's, she's more attractive. Uh, you should be with her. So.
1: Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines.
0: Okay, pay attention. This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. Uh, Anyone ever feel this way? Just me? This time, I have a right. Uh, Notice what happens to the ego when it feels it's right. It's justified in its anger. It's justified in its desire for revenge. Uh, As this story continues, it's going to get even more crazy. Uh, And while we may not respond in these ways in our culture and in our time, I think if we're honest and we pay attention to the stuff that goes on inside us when we feel we've been wronged, it's somewhat similar what goes on inside us. This time, I have a right to be angry. This time I have a right to ignore them. This time I have a right to give them the cold shoulder. This time I have a right to be bitter with them
1: for what they have done. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs.
0: Okay. Anyone, anyone ever caught a fox? You catch a fox? He caught three, uh, 300 foxes. And then he ties their tails together. Uh, this is crazy. crazy. This is in the Bible. is this is a great Bible story? We uh, should do this in children's ministry.
1: He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails.
0: Like you do. Uh, there's instructions for this on the internet if you're interested.
1: Lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines.
0: Okay. Ooh. Where did he let them loose? Ah, yeah. Uh, We know all too well the devastation fire can cause, don't we? Uh, Lost lives, lost homes, lost everything. Uh, this is what Samson does to the Philistines. He lights all their crops on fire. Uh, in essence, Samson has destroyed their economy for the year.
1: He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told, Samson. The Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death.
0: Okay. Uh, Notice the escalation. You did this to me, I'll do this to you. You do this to me, I'll do this to you. Now, it's gone uh, from a guy with his goat uh, realizing that father-in-law has given her to someone else to burning crops to now killing people. Uh, it's this, uh, there's a theologian named Walter Wink and he calls this the myth of redemptive violence. The myth of redemptive violence. That it's this myth that we believe that if we're wronged and we wrong that person back we'll feel better, that it'll make us feel better if we wrong the person back. You insult me, I insult you. You wrong me, I wrong you. You bomb us, we bomb you. It's this myth of redemptive violence that if we get back, if we get even, somehow it'll make me feel better. And it
1: never does. So the Philistines went up, uh, oh, burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear I will not stop until I get my revenge on you. Okay,
0: so Samson, right back at it, I swear I will not stop until I get my revenge on you. You've done this to me, now look out, I'm coming after you.
1: He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. To
0: do to him as he did to us. It's this myth that if we just get back at him then we will be justified in our anger in our vengeance
1: then 3000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson
0: notice how many men had to go after one man you think they're a little freaked out by this guy uh, 3000 men
1: go Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me.
0: Okay, yeah. I merely did to them what they did to me. Uh, When we feel so justified in our actions, when we feel we are right and they are wrong, it can do so Much damage. And the damage is not only to the person who wronged us, but it's to our own soul. It will damage our own soul when we live with this attitude of, I'm merely doing to them what they did to me. It it will hold us in prison if we allow the bitterness, the anger, The resentment to fester. And this is what's going on with Samson and the Philistines.
1: They said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Okay,
0: so this is Samson. He can apparently, ropes are gone. Uh, Something worth noting here that I think can be confusing in reading a text like this, when it says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and then he broke the ropes. So, the Spirit of God always comes upon people to give them gifts, to give them uh, a special anointing in some area, uh, to to, uh, give them strengths in a specific area. And so, in the ancient scriptures, there were specific people that were called out by God that when the Spirit of God came upon them, it meant they were, they were given this gift. They were given uh, some type of strength to use for God, for God's glory. And like any strength, our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. Uh, our greatest gifting can be warped and used to our own advantage. And that's what I think is going on here with Samson. He has been given a gift. He has been given strengths to be used for God and for God's people. And all too often, he warps them and abuses the gift. And it results in violence.
1: Finding a fresh jawbone from a donkey.
0: Which I assume was just laying on the ground.
1: He grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them.
0: The KJV doesn't read that way.
1: Hmm. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and placed, and the place was called Ramath Lehi. Okay.
0: So Samson and the Philistines just keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth this myth that if I get even with them, I will be justified in my anger, I will be justified in my actions. And this this story, it it feels barbaric, it feels over the top, Uh, but I wonder for us, what feelings rise up in us when we're angry, when we feel resentment, when we feel justified in getting even. And, and, and our own revenge, if you will, can take the, all kinds of shapes and forms. It, it, it can simply be giving someone the cold shoulder, ignoring them, uh, just holding resentment, uh, and allowing that to fester within us. We might not be picking up a literal jawbone and going around swiping it at people. Uh, but I wonder what it looks like for us to drop the jawbone. Uh, Thanksgiving's coming. Many of us will be around tables with family. Uh, and as you look across that table and you see that cousin or that uncle or that sister or brother, uh, that Hurt you. What will you do with that hurt? Uh, you know, people show up at Thanksgiving with jawbone holsters. They keep an extra jawbone in the car. Uh, oh, you forgot your jawbone. That'd be a long way to drive home. You can use my jawbone. Uh, I. I wonder. What it looks like. To drop the jawbone. Uh, Maybe it simply begins uh, with not telling your version of the story over and over and over again to other people. Uh, Maybe it begins with asking God, help me release that person. Uh, Now, of course, there's always appropriate places to tell the story. Uh, With a confidant, with a counselor, uh, with someone very close to you to help you process and work through the wrong that was done to you. Uh, But I wonder what it looks like to not just spread it around and and keep the resentment festering. What does it look like for us to drop the jawbone? A number of years ago, um, next slide, remember this? Uh, Sarah Palin, Tina Fey, Tina Fey played Sarah Palin. Uh, And uh, this is 2008, and um, on uh, Saturday Night Live, and uh, some of it was funny, some of it was way too far, probably, Uh, and um, when Tina Fey started doing this, uh, a number of uh, bloggers and and people uh, started writing really hateful, vitriolic things about Tina Fey. And, And so they're like, you wronged us, and our people, we're gonna wrong you. And then in 2009, next slide, uh, Tina Fey won Best Actress uh, in her show 30 Rock, and she got up to give her speech, and so she uh, thanked people, and then she said, um, anytime anytime you start thinking uh, highly of yourself, there's this thing called the Internet. And all you have to do is Google your name. And find out how many people hate you. And will say really hurtful things about you. And I would like to address some of them now. And she started calling them out by name. What is she really doing? I would argue that she is really saying, you hurt me. And the only thing I know to do right now is hurt you back. I would argue that Jesus shows us a different way forward. That there is a different way of responding to the hurt and the anger and the resentment that festers. That there is a different way of being human. That Jesus shows us a way all the way to the cross of releasing those who hurt us. Uh, I was recently very impressed, actually, with SNL. Next slide. Recognize these guys? Uh, So, in the pink is Pete Davidson, and in the suit is a guy named Dan Crenshaw. Uh, So, leading up to the midterm elections, Pete Davidson, a rather progressively minded person, uh, was saying things about some GOP members, Dan Crenshaw being one of them, and he said, uh, And uh, he lost his eye in a war or something, uh, uh, mocking him. Uh, And what I was really impressed by is that then Pete Davidson recognized what he had done and how wrong it was and invited Dan Crenshaw onto Saturday Night Live and publicly on national television apologized to him. Uh, Pete Davidson lost his dad in 9-11, his dad was a firefighter in New York City and died on that day. Uh, and so they actually have similar stories and they, they realize that their similarities and their shared humanity is far greater than their differences. And uh, apologized to him on public television and then proceeded to allow Dan Crenshaw to jokingly mock Pete Davidson and laugh together. Uh, This simply says to me, friends, that there is a third way. There is another way forward. That as you sit around that Thanksgiving table, and you may have radically different political views from the person across the table from you, there is a way of being more fully human together. There is a way of loving one another well, despite our differences. And I I really believe that it begins with recognizing that central to forgiveness is handing that person over to God and entrusting them to God, the person who hurt you, the person who harmed you, entrusting them to God. Uh, That it is, let's go to the second to the last slide, if we can, it is, uh, next, a couple more. It is very difficult to hold someone in contempt while also holding them in prayer. What does it look like for us to begin to entrust people to God who have hurt us? What what if all that mental energy that is spent on that wrong, on that harm, on that person is converted into prayer? What might that be? look like. If all that energy we spend holding on to the wrong, holding on to the resentment, is converted into prayer. A um, couple of thoughts I wrote down. Central to forgiveness is turning the person who wronged you over to God. Part of the process of forgiveness is freeing the person who wronged you so that you can begin to free yourself from bitterness, anger, rage, and thoughts of revenge. To hold on to bitterness, anger, and rage is to say, they belong to me. I'm going to hold them responsible for what they have done. To surrender your anger and bitterness in resentment is to surrender your hold on that person. What we often don't see and aren't aware of is that we aren't holding them prisoner as much as we are holding ourselves prisoner. We imprison ourselves and torture ourselves and therefore become unpleasant people to be around. Samson says, I have the right. I wonder, for us this morning, what do you feel you have the right to? When we are able to say, God, they belong to you, I give them to you. To even possibly be able to bless them and turn that energy into prayer. we can entrust them to God. Central to letting it go is turning the person over to God. This is is why I believe forgiveness always comes easier when you've done the hard work in your own interior life. When you've cultivated and learned to ground yourself in love and grace and the unconditional acceptance you already have in God. When you have come to ground yourself in God's love and grace and forgiveness, then you've already had to make room for your own darkness and your own brokenness. So making room for the brokenness and violence and pain of others means you're already in a space that makes forgiveness more bearable and reasonable and possible. Uh, this morning as we come and take the bread and dip it in the cup. I simply want to invite you to take that next step of forgiveness. Whoever that person is, whoever those people are, uh, I invite you this morning to come with open hands to the communion table and release them to God and receive from God the bread and the cup and all the goodness of that good gift, which is Christ's body broken for you, and Christ's blood shed for you. The one who on the cross was able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God, help us to be a forgiving people. God, where there's anger... Replace it with your love. Where there's bitterness, help us to release it and replace it with your compassion. Where we're holding resentment, I pray, God, that you'll help us release it and replace it with your peace. God, I pray for each person in here who has been hurt. Hurt by a spouse or former spouse. Hurt by a mom or a dad or a child. Hurt by someone in the workplace. but for those who have been deeply wronged through abuse, Betrayal. Lies. God, help us to name those things, to recognize how deeply they hurt us. To not ignore them or sweep them under the rug, but to do the hard work of processing it and releasing that wound and that person to you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. The one who lives within you, giving you life and breath and everything in it. May you be a people who forgive. May we be a people who release anger, who release bitterness, who release resentment, and find that we are free. Free to live into who God has created us to be may we live out of God's love and grace and truth and abundance and peace and joy. May the grace and peace of Christ be yours.